Welcome to the North Shore Performance Podcast, where we take a deep dive into health and fitness for everyday people and the athlete and all of us. I'm your host, Jake Wirtz, and with me is my best friend and co-host, Tana Shankel. Together, we take an honest look at fitness and discuss how anybody can improve their lives by adopting a healthy lifestyle. All right, we are live. Welcome to the first episode of the North Shore Performance Podcast. My name is Jake, as I said in the intro. Um, with me is my best friend, Tanner Shankle. Today's topic, how to maximize muscle growth. But first, we're going to kind of talk about ourselves and our backgrounds. And, and so, Tanner, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so like Jake said, uh, my name's Tanner. Uh, I've been lifting for majority of my life. Started lifting in middle school for sports. Um, and then seriously started training for like powerlifting and that kind of stuff about five years ago. Um, currently I am going to school as an exercise major or exercise science major. Um, so definitely working, working, uh, towards this as my future career. Um, and me and Wirtz have been friends for, I don't know, it's about the same amount of time I've been actually training. Uh, we've coached together, we've played baseball together. Uh, played softball together, um, done a lot of stuff together. And we always kind of like joked about starting a podcast because we would talk in like our chats one-on-one -on -one about certain things. And then it seemed, always seemed like the next day, our favorite fitness or lifting podcast would talk about the same topic we just talked about. So we're like, I, we really think we could do this. So we're giving it a shot and seeing how it goes. So yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and more so uh, than anything too, we're just kind of doing this for fun. Um, like you said, this is something we're both very passionate about pretty much our entire lives revolve around fitness as silly as that sounds. Um, you know, we're not professionals at it yet, but uh, maybe someday that's in the cards. Um, my name is Jake. Uh, like Tanner said, uh, we've been best friends for, I don't even remember. I think we started playing baseball together. Uh, seventh grade, something like that. Yeah, so, so we know we've known each other for a long time. I've been weightlifting and training and doing sports my whole life. I started probably started lifting about 11 or 12. Um, my, my dad and my stepdad were both into weight training and they both really, you know, stressed like, um, consistency and using good technique and stuff like that. So that's kind of like the way I've always approached it. And that's why it's been a part of my life. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Tanner, do you want to get into today's topic? Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously, like Word said in the beginning, we're going to be talking about maximizing muscle growth. Uh, what we'll cover in that is kind of like the do's and don'ts um, of training and lifting. We'll cover some nutrition aspects. Um, we'll kind of just have a bath, back and forth talk about um, our favorite tricks, um, some things we um, really work towards, and key aspects so we can obviously get as much muscle, much muscle as possible. Yeah. And when we talk about muscle growth, um, another word for that is hypertrophy, which I know is like a, a little trap word for you. Do you want to try to say hypertrophy for the audience? I know it's tough. <laughs> Hi, hypertrophy. All right. We'll get it folks. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, one of these days, but uh, yeah, when you look at building muscle, um, there's a lot of factors to it. Obviously your genetics play a role. Um, your consistency and effort play a role, but we're going to just kind of take more of like a general overarching look at it today. We're going to kind of talk about 
three, three pillars in our mind for, for muscle growth and maximizing that, you know, those three things. Um, so those factors are usually your training, your nutrition, and your recovery. Um, so we'll kind of jump into each topic, like Tanner said, give a couple tips and tricks for those. Um, so the first one is training. So training actually refers to the activity that you use to stimulate an adaptation in your body. So like for us, that's going to be, you know, your, your weightlifting, you know, that's usually the bulk of our training. Um, both Tanner and I are strength driven, um, lifters, you know, we're not usually do, into the physique thing. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just where our focus lies. Um, so usually our training revolves around lifting heavy weights, um, trying to progressively overload, um, and things like that. So to optimize your training, I'll just jump right in with the first, um, tip. So like Tanner said, we're going to do some do's and don'ts. So the first do, the first thing you're going to want to do is to prioritize compound movements early into your training. So a compound movement is a exercise. It's a multi-joint exercise uses different muscles, not just a single joint exercise or a single muscle. Um, the most common ones that you'll probably hear us talk about over and over again are the bench, the press, the squat, the deadlift. Um, and these are great because you generate the most amount of muscle. You can really load these heavy because you're using a bar most of the time. At least that's the way that we like, we like to progressively overload and things like that. Um, and the key thing is, you know, really get proficient at these, get your technique down. Um, every week, try to add a little bit more weight. And, you know, when you, uh, when you get to a point where you're really comfortable with these two, it's a good idea to add some variations, you know, get some specific, you know, specificity. Um, instead of doing a back squat, you could, you know, do a goblet squat or a front squat, or instead of doing a deadlift, you could do like a stiff like a deadlift or whatever. There's a thousand different, you know, varieties of all of, you know, the golden five or, you know, your top four lifts or whatever it is. So um, really, I, I would really focus on those early in the movement. What do you think, Tanner? Yeah, no, I really like that point. Um, especially being that these are very basic movements. There's nothing too crazy, too fancy about them. They're very basic and straight to the point where, and there are a lot of natural movements um, that we as just humans have, like how many times you squat down to pick something up, uh, you lift something over your head, uh, you're pushing your, something away from you, um, you're pulling something up or away, anything like that. These are very basic movements us as humans do. Um, and just for overall wellness, it is important to be strong in these and have good mobility. And these will go a long ways in that. Um, and especially for beginners, like you can't uh, mess up the tried and true. And that's what these, these movements are. That's why in every federation, the powerlifters compete in them. It's basic and probably the best way to show true strength as far as with the barbell. So uh, you can't mess up what's Try and true. So I like that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and then, so the next do that we have here, uh, progressive overload. So this is the concept of slowly adding weight or set or reps of a specific exercise over time. That's proven to be one of the best ways, uh, to gain muscle, to gain strength is to slowly add difficulty to a movement. Um, it's adding extra stimulus, um, creating difficulty, our bodies eventually will adapt to something and be, and allow us to be more comfortable with it and make it easier for us. Well, we need to counteract that adaptation 
um, <laughs> and, uh, and allow us to get stronger. So that's why we need to, if it's like adding five pounds every week or five pounds every month or so, or doing extra couple reps, stuff like that is progressive overload. And it's going to benefit you in the long run because we're constantly trying to get better and reaching for more strength involved. Yeah, no, I really, I really like what you said there. Um, we're going to talk about progressive overload a lot, you know, with all of our content that we're going to start producing. Um, that's really the core and, you know, the, the main focus when it comes to getting stronger and gaining muscle, like we're talking about today, you're going to want to continue to challenge your body with uh, different resistance, different types of resistance. There's different ways to progressive overload too. Like Tanner said, um, you can increase the weight. You could increase the overall volume by doing another set you know, maybe increasing the reps instead of doing you know, a three by 10 the next week, you're doing a three by 12 and boom, there's six extra reps. That's increasing your training volume. You don't even have to change the weight. Another um, advanced technique that you could do is like a, you know, a drop set or a challenge set where you're just trying to see how many reps you can get like an AMRAP kind of a thing. But yeah, that's, you know, progressive overload is one of the keys to your training and you should always be trying to challenge yourself and improve the intensity. Um, so our last do for training, last thing we really want you to focus on, and we're Tanner and I, you'll, you'll notice we take a very simple approach to fitness. Um, I think too many people overcomplicate it, to be honest with you. There's too many gadgets, too many fads. Um, these are like Tanner said, the tried and true. These are the proven things that are going to help you. Um, so number three, do be consistent. It sounds boring. I know. And you're going to, like I said, we're very simple creatures. But without consistency, consistency, you'll never build as much muscle as you possibly could. If you're two days on, you know, you take three days off, you know, you go lifting once a week, it's a, I, I miss a week, you know, whatever, you're never going to build the habit necessary for your body to have that adaptation, you know, start to start building muscle. Um, now, that doesn't mean you need to go lift weights every single day or for hours at a time. You know, if you're a beginner, and you want to get an effective workout and start putting muscle on, you could go you know, two or three days a week, but as long as you're continually going two or three days a week, every week, you know, I, I told my wife this, um, if you work out two days a week over 52 weeks, that's 104 workouts a year and compared to the zero workouts you were doing before. That's a huge difference. You know what I mean? But you don't want to go 104 days in a row and then take the rest of the year off. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, slow and steady being consistent, always monitoring your progress and progressively overloading. What do you think? No, I really like that. It's, I mean, it's a basic concept, but I find myself even like no understanding the concept and only really truly progressive overloading on like my main movements. I just thought of it this, this morning, like doing like bicep curls or something like that. I'm like, I need to really start going back to like, cause I, I wrote, write down all my workouts notebook. I know works does too. Um, I think that's a big help, but to go through and see what weight I'm using as I go, cause yeah, it's important for progressive overload in the main list that you're trying to get stronger in, but it can also help to make sure you're progressive overloading in your accessory movements too. Um, and I kind of just, just do the same weight. I feel like every time, and that might be, I might be neglecting that. Um, one example though, that I really liked when I did that, I could only do one pull-up. And so kind of for a while I would do one pull-up, one set of one, and then I would add two sets of one. And the next week I would try to do two sets of two. Next week, I try to do three sets of three and just slowly adding on and challenging myself. Um, so that's kind of a working example that, that I've done myself that I found success with. So, 
that's a great point. Um, I, I fall into the same trap all the time. You know, I'm like, Oh, last week I benched, you know, 225 for this many reps. So this week I'm going to get 225 for this many reps. And it's like, okay, but what about like your, your pull-ups, for example, like you said, your, your tricep extensions, what about your rows, stuff like that, that aren't the main thing, you know, but if you're yeah. just doing them and going through the motions, now there's still value in that. But if you're trying to get the most out of everything, yeah, it's a good idea to track the weights you're using, track your reps and sets. And then just every week, just try to push a little bit. Um, that's that's something I could definitely improve on as well. Yeah. Um, so we've gone through our three main do's. So now we're going to move on to the don'ts. Um, I mean, take these with a grain of salt. These are our opinions, but we have done this a long time. So we kind of have an idea of what to do and what to don't to what not to do. <laughs> English is not <laughs> not my strong suit, unfortunately. So bear with me, guys. <laughs> um, so our first don't is uh don't focus on like the fads, the fitness gadgets, that kind of stuff. Focus on like the basic try and true, like we talked about in the first do, like the compound movements. Uh, like you see those guys that come in and they're wearing those like sweats, sweat suits and all they do is pour sweat or they have these fancy gadgets, all these fancy like at home ab things. And like, let's be honest, like no one, you see those all over on Facebook marketplace because they don't work. They're just a marketing scheme. So that's a good way to like, is it worth your time or not? If you see like a bunch of them yeah. on Facebook marketplace, cause there are people are selling them cause no one likes them. It's just a fad. Um, like Jake in our show notes brought up an example of people shoulder pressing on like a Bozu or a balance ball. Like you're just going to hurt yourself. Like let's just work on the compound movements. If you want to decide to move in some more extravagant stuff. Sure. But I mean, for the start, let's just hammer out and get great at the basics because I guarantee you'll start realizing the flaws in some of these fad exercise programs or gadgets or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the phrase that I always remember, I think Jeff Nippard said it in a video once and it always just stuck with me is, you know, don't major in the minors. You know what I mean? Don't, like you said, the main thing is the main thing. So keep it the main thing, like your compound movements, like we said, now that doesn't mean that there isn't value in some of those other things. I mean, you gave the example of like um, some of the at-home stuff that people are buying, they put on Facebook, like the thigh master or the jaws or size ball, stuff like that. Right. But um, even stuff that does have some practical application, like the Bosu ball shoulder press, right? Like if you have some stability issues, or if you're like a, you know, somebody who has balance issues and, you're really just trying to focus on your core stability and stuff like that. Like, sure. There's, there's some value to it, but if you're like an average person and you're just, you know, that's the first thing you do. I think you're really misprioritizing your, your stuff. You know what I mean? Just doing like a standard, you know, overhead shoulder press with a bar dumbbells would be much better. You could use more weight. You could, you're more stable. So there's less likely, you know, chance of an injury. Uh, I just think there's a lot more value out of it. So that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. There's nothing that is completely useless, but you know, you have to prioritize, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. So uh, for our next don't, when it comes to uh, your training to maximize muscle growth, don't prioritize more weight over good technique. So the example that I always think of is, you know, the guy who's benching way more weight than he can handle. We've, all seen this dude he's got a spotter 
spotter's hands are on the bar the entire time. He's, he's doing like a bicep curl or an upright row, right? He's, he's assisting with the lift, the guy that's lifting, he's bouncing it off his chest. He's using a lot of momentum, things like that. Um, because he's, you know, he's ego lifting is another way that we, we talk about it. Um, he's trying to put up as much weight. He's trying to put it on the gram, look good. But at the end of the day, you know, you could use considerably less weight, you know, use a weight that you could handle, slow the movement down, really focus on your technique, bring the bar to your chest as slow as possible. Even, you know, you know, we're training for a powerlifting meet here in eight weeks. So I think we've both started to introduce pause reps into our bench, which is a great way to like really teach yourself to control the weight and then explode off the chest, you know, transferring the, the force from your chest into your triceps and your shoulders and stuff like that. If you're just going as fast as you can, you're, you're cheating reps, you know, you're, you're really not getting as much out of it as you could. You're losing all the elasticity on your chest when you're coming down super fast, you know, you're losing the force that you need out of your triceps when you're bouncing it up, you know? Um, so it, it really is important to take your time with these movements. Like we said, master it, master the technique, slow and steady is usually the way to want to win the race. Um, Tanner's always had a phrase that I, I, I like to use, you know, what is it? Um, you go slow on the way down, you go quick on the way up. What's the way you usually say it? I, I think I say a couple different ways, but slow down, explode up or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And that's, and that's yeah. a really good way to teach people to do it because you're controlling it. You're getting the most out of it. Um, you're getting the most muscle recruitment as well. Your muscles are actually doing more work if you're doing it that way, as opposed to cheating the rep with more weight. So um, just, just don't ego lift, do the weight you can handle, challenge yourself. It's important to challenge yourself, but be honest with yourself. Don't start slapping weight on the bar that you can't handle. Yeah, no, I think that's, an extremely good point um and when you think about like people i tell like oh i train powerful oh they're like oh you won't be you'll be regretting it when you're in your 60s and stuff like well there's difference between training right and training like an idiot like those guys that you see we call it turtle backing deadlifts when their back is so curled it looks painful to even just watch like if you train right you can train for a long time and you can train health healthy and not have injuries uh both of us knock on wood we have not had a single like drastic injury that stopped us from training for a long period of time yeah we've had bumps and bruises and scrapes and soreness but that comes with training any sport any kind of training um but the anything worth doing yeah like anything worth doing we focus on good forms we have a group chat that we send to our ourselves a lot of time it's like bragging about prs but I don't think any of us would take offense if like, Hey, you should take some weight off. Your form looks like shit. Like it's important to have that accountability, uh, whether you have a group of friends you lift with at the gym and stuff like that. Um, but definitely hundred percent take this one into deep consideration because I mean, if you're training, you're trying to create it as a lifestyle. Well, if you're hurt and getting hurt, the lifestyle can't last that long. So that's really important point. to focus yeah. on that. So all righty. So next one is our last point. Yeah, last point for the don'ts. Uh, do not suffer from paralysis of analysis. This one we both struggle with quite a bit. We kind of like we have our like favorite like powerlifting guys, or they come with a new strength program or this new theory or this new style of training, and we were like, "Oh, that sounds awesome. Let's do it." But yeah we always fall back to the tried and true. We've, we both follow right now the five, three, one program by Jim Wendler. 
Um, and we all fall, always fall back to this program because it's effective. I love you, simple. Jim. <laughs> yes, Jim. If, you're, if you if ever watch this, we're big fans. <laughs> we love you, Jim. <laughs> um, but it's, it's very simple. It's straight to the point. But the, my reasoning here is that we're like, oh, that there must be somewhere missing. We should try this. But we always realize that, yeah, it has its good points and its bad points. And we go back to what we like. But what it what what harms us is the amount of time we took off from a program we're used to and we're having good success with, we miss that progression and we just jump to the new program Absolutely. and then jump mm-hmm. back before we even give that program a chance. Um, or we just try different fans. I mean, me going to school, I read different things. We're constantly lifting different podcasts, YouTube videos, whatnot. We're like, we're said in the intro, we're like fitness and wellness is huge part of our lives. We're constantly taking in content and trying different things. And sometimes we just need to sit back and be like, I'll try that eventually. But right now I'm going to focus on what's working. So that's a big yeah, like, part of this one. Like right now um, with the power lifting meet that we have coming up, um, we've both kind of had to shift our, our training a little bit. You know, we're still, obviously we're keeping the compound movements. We're running through five through one. We're using the percentages and stuff, but instead of doing some of the other fad stuff, like you said, and I was giving you a hard time for it the other week, um, you're going to cut your bicep training like out as much as possible. You're going to do a have. little. Yeah. So <laughs> except for hammer curls, because those are the superior bicep movement. <laughs> uh, don't listen to the charlatan people. Um, no, but like I was giving you a hard time about it. You're like, well, listen, I'm focusing on this right now. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And right now, you know, focusing on biceps, spending, you know, 12 sets a week doing bicep curls or whatever it is, you're like, that's not really where my focus is. So you kind of shift focus and it's okay to do that, but do it with intent. Don't just jump from thing to thing to thing. I always think about like, if you're a beginner, how overwhelming it is, like the fitness space, there's so much information out there. There's so many different training modalities. I mean, you could walk into a gym and you'll see somebody doing yoga. You'll see somebody doing powerlifting. You'll see somebody who's like a, a cardio junkie and you don't even know where to start. And then you're so overwhelmed. You don't start. You know what I mean? The most mm-hmm. important thing is that you start and you do something. It doesn't even matter what, when you're a beginner, for the most part, you're going to see some progress, you know? And as you start training, as you start, find the things that you like to do and do those, you know, neither you or I really like the long intense you know i guess not intense but the long you know steady state cardio like hours on the treadmill hours on the elliptical neither of us really got into that um some people they love that you know that's not where our passion lies it's not what we enjoy so we kind of steer clear of that we still go for walks and stuff like we're not complete couch potatoes i don't want to give people that impression but um yeah the important thing is just find what you like and do it and learn as much as you can but don't let it stop your progress like you said, we, we both watch so much content. It's, it's so easily to be like, um, influenced, you know, we always use that term fitness influencer or whatever, but it's very easy to be influenced by all the stuff you bring in. So paralysis by analysis, do your best to avoid that and like call yourself out on it too. Cause I've, I've done that a hundred times. So next we're going to be moving into the nutrition portion. So like we said, to maximize your ability to build the most muscle possible. The three pillars are training, nutrition, and recovery. Um, so we're going to move into the nutrition piece of this. Um, so the first do, first thing you want to focus on, if you're trying to build muscle, 
is a calorie surplus. Um, now this doesn't mean you're going to be running to McDonald's or Burger King and, and just slamming down a burger fries and shake. Like you have to do this with some intent. It is very important that you eat at either a maintenance calorie wise or a surplus calorie wise. Um, it's really hard to gain muscle when you're in a deficit, unless you're a beginner, then anything you do is going to work. Um, you know, there's different apps and stuff you can use to track your, your caloric, you know, expenditure um, and figure out exactly what you need to consume to get to a caloric surplus. Um, there's different apps, just, you know, um, there's a couple you can just Google, but the one that, you know, Tanner recommended, I think was www.calculators.org slash health slash weight gain. Um, but there's a ton of different ones out there. Try a couple of them. Take, I don't know, maybe take the average of a few different ones to see what you're, what you're burning per day. Be honest with your activity level. Um, and then, you know, track, track your food. Um, you know, if you are going to be in a caloric surplus, it's going to be a lot easier if you know exactly what you're eating. Um, and I think we're all pretty bad about tracking. Um, so yeah, I would really recommend just kind of track your food. Um, one quick thing to add on those points. So those websites that have like either the calorie tr uh, calculator to figure out how much would be your surplus or like a basal uh, metabolic rate calculator. Um, we'll put those in the show notes. So it'll be in the YouTube links. Um, so you guys can go in there, put in your body weight and such and kind of figure out where you'd be at um, as well. So, and, and quickly um, explain to the people what a BMR is like, what your basal metabolic rate is. Cause we just throw these terms out there and we expect people to catch on. You made a really good point that we need to explain those things too. Yeah. So, I mean, your basal metabolic rate is essentially how many calories you burn by doing nothing, just basic body functions. So what you need to survive. Yeah. Your, your digestion, all that kind of stuff, your basic, just your recovery building, all that kind of stuff is in that. What was the time you burn actually more calories when you're sleeping? Cause that's when that reaction is more prevalent. So some kind of cool fact too, but absolutely. All right. Do you have any more on the, that do nope. for the diet? Okay. So next we're going to, uh, the next do that we have is focusing, focusing on one ingredient foods. So whole foods. So, I mean, the staple meat, potatoes, some kind of vegetable stuff like that. Meat. You can't go wrong with this. I mean, you can, you, but it's very hard you to can. overeat. You can, you can, but it's way more challenging. You know what you're actually eating. Where, yeah, sometimes it's fun. You just had a huge lift and you're starving and you go and you crush like two Chipotle burritos. Yeah, you, truly, yeah. you truly don't know what's going in there. I mean, that's probably one of the more healthier fast food options Absolutely. instead of going and eating like 14 McDoubles, but <laughs> or like a couple of Big Macs. But so that's that's a big focus here. When you can focus on whole foods or it's fun. If you have a recipe, you know what you're putting into it. You know what kind of ingredients are going into and how much so you still have an idea so yeah it's not necessarily one ingredient but you know what you're putting in it versus going ordering something online to go pick up and eat so um and then also the nice thing about this is it allows us to to bulk as lean as possible yep we're not really putting on any unwanted body fat we're getting strong and we're running this program as optimally as possible um, and then these kind of foods are very dense in vitamins and nutrients, which are going to allow us to effectively get stronger, 
they're very important in these kind of metabolic rates of protein that we're working towards and how our bodies needs to function and feel better. Um, and we also won't get like bloated really as much as we will if we just eat a bunch of crappy food. And I don't know about you, but if I feel gross, bulk, uh, bloated and lethargic, I don't want to lift. I just want to lay on the couch and take a nap. So the better you feel, the better you're, you're going to perform in the gym too. Um, yeah, a couple yeah. points too to bring up about like whole foods is like you you mentioned. I just want to emphasize it's really hard, not impossible, but hard to overeat on whole foods. They're nutritionally dense. Your body knows when you've had enough. And the other thing too, processed foods are hyper palatable. You know, you take something out of a, a wrapper, that thing is not real food for one. It's been engineered to hijack your brain and to want more. It's going to be so much easier. Think about this. Um, a good example that I always hear from, from Sal on Mind Pump, is it easier to eat a bag of potato chips or to eat one plain boiled potato? No salt, no pepper, no butter or anything. Easily, obviously, the bag of potato chips, which is going to have 10 times the amount of calories, nowhere near as much nutrition. Um, but that's, that's the key thing is if it comes out of a package, that's not necessarily evil or anything like that. You can still have those things in moderation, but the bulk of your food should be whole foods. Um, and I've, I've personally really been trying to focus on that lately, not worrying so much about the, uh, the macronutrient ratio or anything like that. Just like, am I having a protein? Am I having a fat? Am I having a carb with each meal? You know, and then as long as I hit my protein goal, I'm usually fine by the end of the day. Um, another thing on the hyper pal palatability is a lot of restaurants, especially fast food industry have scientists that their main job is to make sure your food kind of melts in your mouth per se, or you can chew it almost with your tongue. That's got to tell you how disgusting that really is. Yep. Like they want you to eat it as fast as possible. Like that's a red flag to me. I don't get me I wrong. I still <laughs> love Mickey D's and I'll eat it, but yeah, yeah. I do always feel gross afterwards that's and I don't thing. try to make it a habit. That's one thing about Tanner and I that you guys will realize. Um, we are both very um, food-driven animals. Um, a lot of our friendship, we've spent a lot of time eating food at a, you know, at a buffet or a restaurant or whatever. But like as we've gotten older, we've really learned more about nutrition and, and how to make this kind of a, an everyday practice. So that way we can enjoy those things. Like when I, when I drive up to see Tanner, when he comes down to see us and his family, you know, we can go out and eat and not feel guilty about it because he's made these things a staple of his, you know, his diet of his lifestyle. So that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that add on. I like that. It's not, it's not necessarily about always doing this way, but it's, it's not camera wholesale, uh, put it in his book, but it's, it's not that you, it's, you don't want to, it's not that you can't. And that's a big thing. It's like, Absolutely. You, don't, you don't really want to eat that way. Cause you can feel gross afterwards, but if the situation comes up where you're like, yeah, I want to go with some buddies and go get some burgers and fries and milkshakes and whatnot. You feel like you can, and it doesn't put this bad image of food in your mind. It's just most of the time you really don't want to eat that way. So. Yeah. And it doesn't align with your goals is the other thing. Um, exactly. So for our last do for your nutrition, um, and this is a big one. We didn't list it first because we know it's important, but we, we feel like some of these other things are just as important. So we wanted to put an emphasis on those things, but um, the last do is, you know, do track your protein intake. 
Um, it is really important to set a number and try to hit it as many days as you can. Now you're not going to hit it every day and some days you're going to go over and that's fine, but you're going to want to be as close to that number as you can possibly be. Uh, when you work out, when you train, you're breaking down your muscles. And in order to repair them, your body needs amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein. So you need protein and you need those proteins to help recover, help build muscle, which is what we're trying to do. We're, we're putting a stimulus into our body to try to cause that adaptation to build muscle. So you need to give the body what it needs to recover. Um, a lot of people, women in particular, really under eat protein. If they're a strength athlete or if they're working out or whatever, um, you'll see people at hundred grams, you know, 70 grams and like, Oh, I eat a lot of protein. It's like, you don't, you don't realize like some, you, you kind of have to go out of your way to consume a certain amount, like to get over 200 grams. I mean, if you're a, a big guy and you eat three square meals a day and something in between that might not be so hard, but um, for the average person to eat over 200 you know, grams of protein, that's, that's a challenge. So you have to be very deliberate about what you eat, prioritize those foods in your diet, you know, start with eggs, start with meat, start with, you know, dairy products. If you can stand it, you know, if you have, if you don't have an intolerance, um, there's a ton of options too. Um, there's tons of different meat. There's chicken, beef, pork. Um, I've recently tried to get in some organ meats. Um, I'm a little scared. I bought it. It's in my freezer. Got some beef liver I'm trying to convince Catherine to go in have these with me. I don't think she's going to go for it, but, um, but yeah, Tanner, how much protein do you, do you think a person should go for? Cause their recommendations are kind of all over the place. Yeah. I mean, the most common recommendation you see is anywhere from like 0.7 grams to one gram per body weight. Um, I mean, it, there's all kinds of different ways to do it. I think generally that's where we kind of follow is the more the one gram per body weight. And it's easy to remember. Yeah. And it's, it's super easy to track. And most of the time, like for us, like we're not really tracking calories right now per se, but we are kind of focusing on just making sure we get enough protein in. Um, but it's, it's just something very simple that like you can think, okay, I need a protein shake or stuff like that. And also the nice thing about protein, obviously you're bulking, you're trying to gain muscle, but say you're trying to cut protein is extremely satiating. So that's yep. another nice thing about it. Say like, you're like, Oh, I'm super hungry. Once I go in and eating a bag of chips, you could have like something like a yogurt cup, cottage cheese, a protein shake. And it's going to make you more full and not want to crave something. Cause you eat the potato chips. You're going to, it's going to burn right through you. And you're going to be hungry in the next 20, 30 minutes where the protein will help you stay full longer. So, and I, and I love how you listed the whole, like whole food options before you got to the protein shake. Yeah. You know what I mean? You started with the yogurt and then you got into the, the cottage cheese or whatever. Like you don't need a protein shake. It's just a convenience thing. You know what yep. I mean? If you get all your protein from whole foods, natural sources, that's probably better. Oh, yeah. but um, I enjoy protein shakes and they just make it easy to hit your number. So that's, you know, that's why I will probably always consume a protein shake. So um, yeah, I really appreciate how you listed the whole food options first. I think that was, that was pretty good. Yep. All right. So another do, so now onto the don'ts of, of, uh, nutrition with nutrition. us, uh, do not be, do not bulk like your stereotypical gym bro. So now this is a concept. Like everyone knows that guy that is like eating McDonald's while like at the gym and stuff like that. And you're like, that seems counterproductive. <laughs> and then as he has a mouthful of like fries and shit, he's just like, I'm bulking. And you're like, 
What? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. No, you're eating like an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Don't yeah. be that guy. Um, focus on that, like the one ingredient um, nutrition that we talked about. Um, bulking does not mean you have to eat, you get to eat whatever you want. You still have goals you're trying to achieve. You still have uh, nutritional goals. And you also don't want to add a lot of extra body weight. Like you're, you're in the gym, you're working hard. You want to show your progress by having big traps, big shoulders, and a big back. Well, it can be hid by extra fat that you're putting on if you eat like an idiot. Um, so that's a big thing that we want to hit on. Um, and then also another, oh, no, we're good. No, you're on to you. Yeah, anything on that one? Sorry. <laughs> you're good. We're, we're still learning, guys. We'll, we'll figure out the rhythm of this. Um, we'll be experts by like episode 100. I, well, I think they say you have to do something 10,000 times. So, oh, well, we better please go. bear with us. <laughs> please bear with us. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, that's it. Um, just because you're bulking too doesn't mean you're not trying to be healthy. That's the other thing too. Like your goals in the gym are not, they shouldn't be directly opposed to your, your overall health. Um, so like, you know, we said earlier, you can enjoy some of these things once in a while, like a McDonald's, or if you go out with friends, like those are fine. But if that's like this, you know, a, a regular thing for you, you're doing that a couple times a week. And, you know, I, you and I have both been a lot heavier than we are right now where we've done the old, I'm going to go get Taco Bell. And on the way home, ah, kind of want to shake now so you go through another drive so you get some ice cream like we've all done that guys but when you're bulking and you're trying to do it the right way you're trying to maximize the most amount of muscle gain you're you want to do it in a way that's healthy as well you don't want a bunch of extra body fat um unless you're like a power lifter and you're really just trying to go ham and trying to get in the ultra heavyweight class like some guys but even Mark then <laughs> hey he's jack and tan now that's all that matters <laughs> that's true <laughs> um but yeah, so you still want to keep in mind, you know, your health, your your blood markers and things like that. So don't eat like a gym bro, please. Um, our last don't for nutri- nutrition, sorry, um, is do not fall for specifically marketed supplements. So we're kind of talking about just supplements in general here. There's a bit of an over-reliance and we'll bring this up again with the recovery aspect as well. Um, supplements are supplemental, which means they are supposed to help fill holes in your diet. Or if it's a convenience thing, like we talked about with the protein, it's just easier to get to your protein number. If you're taking a protein shake, you know, you don't have to though. Um, and there are specific supplements that are being marketed to people, especially people that are hard gainers, people that are, you know, maybe body insecure and they just want to throw on muscle on their frame. Um, there's a ton of supplements marketed to these people like mass gainers. There's certain pills that are supposed to help you build muscle, you know, increase your anabolic capacity and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, most of that stuff's just a bunch of bullshit. Like if we're going to be honest, um, you can, you can do them. I don't think they're as effective as people market. I think they're kind of a waste of money to be honest. Um, like if you look at a mass gainer, you'll have a mass gainer that's like, I've never been on a mass gainer, but I've looked at the, you know, the macronutrients and yeah, it's got a lot of protein, a lot of carbs, but then you look and it's got like 40 grams of sugar in it. It's like, okay, you're trying to bulk. You're trying to put on muscle. Do you really need to be eating that much sugar? You know, that's just filler. That's just stuff to add calories. You know Um, there's better ways to do that. There's more satiating ways to do that. There's more nutritionally sound ways of doing that. So, um, 
don't rely on supplements. I mean, unless you're going to get to some of the um, supplements that aren't legal, <laughs> um, we're not going to kind of, st- you know, delve into that topic. That's not our expertise. So, um, but yeah, so don't, don't overly rely on supplements to, to build muscle. Yeah. Um, and to add on to that, like the concept of mass gainer shakes, like as far as you see at like GNC or your vitamin shops, I mean, that's exactly what they are. They're just loaded with sugar and loaded with crap that you don't need. But you can use that concept and make, you have like a blender at home. You can throw in some whole milk, uh, some protein, berries, bananas, um, almond butter. I really like add almond butter to mine and then some oats. And you can blend that up. And you're, again, going back to our key point, one ingredient foods, adding these to it and having more of a whole food approach. It's going to be a lot of calories. It's going to be a lot of good things for you, though. Oats have rich antibiotics. Almond butters have good fat. You're going to get some fruit in your diet. Um, and you get some good fats with your milk, too. Um, so a lot of things to really look at. Like, you can still have the idea and still, like, the idea of taking in a lot of calories in, uh, like, a shake. But just really look at what you're consuming. Try to make your own at home would be, like, because the concept isn't bad, but it's how it is marketed that it's bad. It's just a money grab. And, you know, when you do like a, a smoothie or a shake at home, like you said, you start, you can get, you know, you buy a big tub of mask in It's like, okay, you got that one flavor until you're done. You know, if you're making shakes and smoothies and stuff at home, you can do whatever you want. You know, today, you know, I feel like throwing a couple bananas and, you know, blueberries in with my smoothie or whatever. It's like, well, tomorrow let's do some strawberries instead, you know, or you can di- get different flavors of protein, or you can do, uh, you know, regular milk versus chocolate milk or whatever. Like you can, you can oh. customize it. Yeah. <laughs> that, see, I told you guys the food thing, that's a trigger for us. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you can make it and it honestly, most of the time it's going to taste better. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be healthier. That's for sure. Um, and then you're not giving your money to some scummy supplement company too, which is, a, which is an added, added bonus. So. All right. So the next um, of the three pillars that we're going to be getting into for maximizing muscle gain is recovery. Um, Tanner, I'm going to throw this first point to you. All right. Let me get where we need to be. All right. So the concept of recovery is super overlooked and we need to really consider like, I, I don't know how many times you leave the gym and you feel tight, you feel sore, like your muscle, your muscles need to recover and rebuild and you need to give a chance to rebuild. And sometimes we don't consider recovery as important as the actual gym movement. And sometimes it's probably more important than actually mm-hmm. the actual exercising itself. Absolutely. Um, so the first do that we have on the board is sleep routine. So it's really important to have a good sleep routine. Like we talked about with the basal metabolic rate. That's when your body's doing most of its re- rehabbing. You're laying down. You're not doing anything. It allows your body to catch up after the day's events. Um, so plan accordingly. Have like a bedtime schedule. Like say you go to bed at nine o'clock every night, or you turn like all your phone's electronics off at like eight o'clock. Give yourself an hour of no blue light, that kind of stuff. Have a schedule. Wake up at the same time, even if you don't have to. The next morning, say you work at a certain time but you don't work that day, still try to get in the habit of, of waking up and a consistent time too, because you're going to feel better. And you're going to feel more refreshed. Um, and then back to like, turn your electronics off before bed, try to give yourself about that hour before, because that blue light can really affect your, your REM sleep and your deep sleep. That's going to be important for recovery. Um, 
And then a couple hints that Wurtz has talked about. He's like journaling or reading before, before bed. For one, reading's good for you. Always be learning. We're both big on constantly trying to learn new information. Journaling, self-reflection, self-meditation. Those are very important um, concepts for being successful in life is evaluating, going over how your day went and, and thinking like, could I have done this differently? Stuff like that are good concepts to just build good character. Um, and they're good habits to do before going to bed. Just having that kind of sleep routine, just as important as your gym routine. So question for you, what does your sleep routine look like? Um, what are, what are some of your rituals before you go to bed? Uh, it's probably not the best. Usually, uh, I work retail, so I get home a lot of times late at night. So I'll have dinner with my wife. Uh, then we'll usually clean up, do the dishes and such. Um, if I have homework, I'll do homework. Uh, if I don't have homework, I probably usually fall asleep on the couch watching whatever sitcom I'm watching. <laughs> and then I wake up about whatever time that is, realize I should go to bed. I go to bed and then, but usually I wake up anywhere from four to 5 a.m. Um, every morning consistently. So my wake up routine is a lot better than my sleep, my going to bed routine, but I blame that working on the retail schedule and not having a set schedule. So that is hard. I will say I also work retail. Um, it is hard when you have rotating shifts or if you're like a nurse or a firefighter and you have like, you know, 20 hour shifts or whatever, right? Like that, that's hard. We're talking about what's optimal. It's not always going to be possible for everybody. Um, when I get off early and I have a chance to go through my normal sleep routine, you know, I turn off electronics last hour, usually brush my teeth an hour before I go to bed. So I don't, I'm less likely to eat something, right? Cause I don't want to eat right before bed either. And then I try to read a little bit before I go to bed. You know, my wife, she's, you know, she'll be on her phone or whatever, but she's trying to learn how not learn. She knows how to read. <laughs> she's, she's trying to get the habit of reading before bed as well. And she's noticed that that's helped her sleep as well. Tremendously today I'm off every Wednesday. I don't work on Wednesdays. Usually that's the retail life. You get random days off in the middle of the week. Um, and I can definitely tell when I wake up at my normal time for a shift, like, you know, if I normally work at seven, I'm still getting up at like six. Um, my energy is better. My performance in the gym is better. I get a lot more stuff done. If I oversleep and I sleep in until 7.30 or 8, I usually feel groggy. I'm less motivated to do stuff. My performance isn't as, as, as good. Um, so, yeah, I, I really think what's optimal is to try to find a good routine to get into. It's not always going to be perfect, but it's something to try to improve, basically. It's just another thing to kind of work on. So um, our next do for recovery is do focus on hydration. So a very high percentage of people don't drink enough water. Dehydration can have a ton of negative impacts on your health, uh, performance, recovery, um, your health, your energy, your mood, stuff like that. That's all affected by hydration. Um, when you work out and sweat out all of your fluids, well, not all of your fluids, um, when, you, when you sweat out a lot of your fluids, um, it is crucial that you replenish those. Um, your muscles don't work as efficiently when you're dehydrated. You fatigue much quicker. Your energy levels aren't as good. So that affects your performance. Um, you really should be trying to drink water all throughout the day. Don't do it all in the morning. Don't do it all at night. Tanner's drinking water right now on screen, which is beautiful uh, product placement. You know, we're selling water out here. Um, you know, you should try to aim to drink, you know, a bottle of water every couple hours or so. 
Um, I'm not really big on specific recommendations, but you should drink water often enough to where like your pee isn't really dark or it doesn't have a ton of color to it. Um, and that's different for everybody too. Uh, my dad works outside for a living and he, right now it's hot people. So he sweats all day long. So his water requirements are much different from somebody who may work in an office, you know? Um, so just drink what you feel like is necessary. Um, base it mostly on your feet, your, your feelings and, um, you know, kind of how your urine looks too is a big one. Um, bonus tip with hydration, get some electrolytes, um, staying hydrated. doesn't just mean drink as much water as you possibly can. What ends up happening when you drink too much water is you'll actually dehydrate yourself and you'll kind of rob your body of some nutrition as well. You'll just pee it out. Um, so it's really important that you try to get some electrolytes into your body, you know, so, um, sodium, potassium, chloride, magnesium, these are all electrolytes that, um, you need to get into your diet or through supplementation to kind of optimize your hydration. Um, if you lack some of these things due to your, you know, your diet, maybe you're missing some of these things. Maybe you don't eat a lot of sodium or whatever. You can get some extra electrolytes through different supplements or sports performance drinks like Gatorade, Powerade, Pedialyte. I know Tanner and I both like the LMNT. Um, please sponsor us, please. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, electrolyte products are great. Um, you don't need them if you, if you get enough of these in your diet, but they can be an absolute win. Yeah, no, that's huge. Um, I coach youth baseball up here and a big kind of thing about like baseball and Gatorade, all these kids come with these, these drinks. I can't stress enough um, that you want to get the sugar-free ones, because, Absolutely. especially great on a point. hot day, like the sugars are going to make you feel gross. Um, they're going to, they're not going to hydrate you as well. Get the, the Gatorade and Paul rates could be great, but the zero sugars, I can't preach enough. Get those, um, would be what I would add to that. But, and then even like if you're, if you guys are gym bros and stuff, you're looking for a sick pump hint sodium before working out yeah. I know our friend group up here, we kind of call ourselves the pink salt gang, pink salt um, gang. but a lot of us times we just take pink Himalayan salt, throw it in our pre-workout before we go lift. Um, it helps you absorb water, makes you look fuller, uh, helps with that bicep pump, um, and get, you get vascular very well too. So big, vascular. big hint there too. And then also you're extremely hydrated doing that. So some, some good hints there. One of these days we should do, um, an episode or just a little quick segment about sodium and how that's kind of been demonized. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into it too much today, but. I mean, I think we could both go on a pretty good rant when it comes to that. Oh, for sure. Um, the next do uh, for recovery um, is incorporate some kind of mobility um, program into your training. So I personally, uh, Mind Pump, if you guys don't know who that is, um, it's a group of guys that have been personal trainers for a long time. Uh, they kind of change the role of what they do. They still train people, um, but they really put out a lot of great genuine content. And they're not trying to really, obviously, it's a business. So they're trying to sell stuff but they're not selling things that don't help people, which is really cool. Um, and I follow uh, one of the guys on there, Justin came out with a mobility program. I do it before every one of my workouts and I can't stress how good I feel going into my movements and how good I feel afterwards. Um, it's amazing how us as humans now we're constantly on our phones and we're kind of moved over. We have tight hips. We can't rock, walk pop 
properly, just having good flexibility and good, good mobility will make us feel better in life. Um, when you put a lot of load on your back, if you're squatting, um, putting load or your deadlifting and whatnot, it takes a toll on its body. So it's important to make sure our body can move like it's designed to move. So just basic, like this program takes maybe 15 minutes, but find something you like, something that feels well, because you're not going to do something you don't like, but I can't stress how important just genuine mobility is going to be and how effective it will be to helping you lift more efficiently. Um, and just everyday life, like walking, standing up, picking up your kids, if you have kids, stuff like that, you'll notice a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. This is probably an area, you know, I was giving Tanner a hard time about his sleep habits. This is an area where I could probably say and do improve. Um, I've been working on it, trying to do mobility stuff on off days, trying to do like 10, 15 minutes before a training session. Um, and I can say when I'm consistent with it, when I stick with it, I absolutely notice a difference. My shoulders feel better. My hips feel way better. Um, I've had this Achilles thing going on for a couple of weeks now where that's been kind of stiff. I've been doing some combat stretches, which have been fantastic. Um, and the other point too, when it comes to mobility is the greater range of motion you have, the, the greater, like, yeah, the greater range of motion you have through, uh, through lifting and things like that. A lot of times you're going to get more out of the lift. You know, if you're a high squatter, because you can't squat to parallel or below parallel, you're losing a lot of muscle activation. Whereas if you went through a full range of motion, you you're getting more out of the movement as well. And another thing is, you know, if your mobility is extremely limited and you try exercises that aren't within your uh, proficiency, as far as moving, that could lead to injuries as well. So mobility, isn't just like, Oh, I feel so much better. Like it's a performance thing too. It will absolutely improve your performance. It'll absolutely improve your recovery. And it'll absolutely help you prevent injuries, which is huge. So the next, um, we're going to get into the don'ts when it comes to nutrition. We went through all the do's and now, or recovery, sorry, we're on recovery. Gosh, my bad. Um, oh, jeepers. Um, so we're going to get onto the don'ts for recovery. So number one, don't rely too much on recovery supplements. So yes, we're banging the supplement drum again. Tanner and I both buy supplements. Let's be clear about that. We're very, um, we're very deliberate with what we take though. Um, so you can still use supplements. I don't want to come off as somebody who, who hates the supplement, you know, industry or anything like that. I don't. Um, but there are supplements for pretty much everything. Subs for gaining muscle, burning fat, growing your beard, um, and recovery. Um, some of these can be valuable. But the key is they are not essential. They are supplemental. There are no necessary supplements. The only reason to use a supplement is because of a deficiency, something you're missing in your diet or for convenience. A good balanced diet can cover most of your bases. If there is something you're lacking from your diet, a supplement could be a good option. Um, the main chief offender here that um, you're going to see marketed a lot are things like BCAAs. Um, BCAA is short for branched chain amino acids. It's basically a blend of amino acids that are designed to give your body a trickle of amino acids to optimize muscle recovery. You know, it's also, you know, you know, a bro term here is it's going to, you know, hijack your anabolic window. It's going to make you way more anabolic and things like that. And the truth is stuff like BCAAs are completely redundant. If you take away protein shake, because you're getting all those branched chain amino acids, 
if you have an animal product of any kind, you're going to get all those branched chain amino acids. So it's, it's really, you know, you're going to see supplements marketed to everybody for different things. Um, I really encourage you to do your research, see what you need uh, before you make a purchase. Um, yeah. And then another, another um, offender when it comes to supplements for recovery is super loading certain specific amino acids. So when I was younger, I took glutamine after every workout. I was religious about it because I read somewhere, I think it was Jim Stepani. I think he said, you know, you got to take glutamine after every workout, you'll get huge. And I think there was a punter in the NFL who was a big proponent of glutamine. I don't know why, but um, that really spoke to me. <laughs> so I started taking glutamine and, you know, I, I felt better after workout. The soreness went away and stuff like that. And I was like, man, this is, this is a hack. How is everybody not doing this? And then I, and then I ran out, right. I stopped taking it and I felt no difference. So I think it was a complete placebo effect. You know, um, studies have shown that super dosing specific amino acids has shown very little, you know, efficacy. There's really not much backing that if you super load leucine, you're going to lose a ton of weight. It's going to help burn fat. Like, you know, there, it might have a minor advantage, but it's, it's really, you're talking about like a percentage of a percentage. Like you're not, these aren't the things that move the needle. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with that. I think it's super funny. Uh, Cause when you start looking at some of these amino acids too, and what they actually do, like, like your example, glutamine, like when you look at it and it's like a main proponent in like your intestinal tract and like building this, the wall of your intestine and stuff like that, like that doesn't make much sense. It would help with soreness, but that was definitely pushed. I remember hearing that all the time. And it's like, when you think about it, it's like, well, so it's like almost critically think when it comes to these supplements, like understand what they're, what's being marketed to you and do your own research, I think is the best advice we could give you. Um, but I can't stress enough, like what words just said about if you're eating the whole foods diet, you don't need these BCAAs because you're going to get all the essential amino acids you need out of your diet. If you need to worst case scenario, do a whey protein shake because they're more proven than these BCAAs and they're usually more cost efficient per scoop than BCAAs are. You can get like 30 servings of BCAAs for like 60 bucks and you can get like double the servings in whey protein for the same price. So it's like really look into consideration. If you are looking at supplements, that's kind of a hack that we personally both use is looking at how much it costs per scoop or per serving um, and really understanding how much that money you're putting towards a product that might not even be helpful for you. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, excuse me. Um, another uh, of our don'ts is don't be a couch potato. So, I mean, rest days are important. Don't get me wrong, but this is still being active. Go out, walk your dog, go out, walk, go on a walk with your significant other, go on the treadmill for a little bit, go golfing, do something active that you enjoy. Even if you're not planning on working out that day um, or you already worked out that day, because you're going to feel better. I know days where I just lay around on the couch, binge Netflix or something, play video games. I don't feel that great towards the end because I don't feel like I did anything. But days where I wake up early, go to the gym, I do something, act, uh, physical activity. Um, I feel more productive during the day. I feel better. Um, also, I feel more awake throughout the day. I don't feel like I need to take a nap. I feel droggy, anything like that. Um, so just being active is a big proponent of this recovery concept. 
because like, yeah, you're sore and whatnot. You just want to lay on the couch, but building and getting that lactic acid out of your body is going to be important for enhanced recovery. So, yeah. And it helps with the inflammation as well. Um, like you said, you, you get the lack, you, you kind of move the lactic acid out of your muscles and things like that. Um, and it also helps with the inflammation as well. So if your joints are you know really sore or whatever, like your knees and ankles, like one of the worst things you can do after like a really intense squat session is just lay on the couch. Cause you're probably not laying with good posture. You're not sitting with good posture when you're sitting there watching TV most of the time, at least I'm not. Um, and when I get up, I feel so sore. I feel achy, but if I go for a walk and I, you know, my dog's going to come running in here any second now. Cause I said, walk. Um, I feel so much better. My, my joints feel way better. My back, my legs feel so much better. Um, try it. If you, if you've never done that, if you've never prioritized taking a walk after doing an intensive workout like that night, try it. You'll, you'll feel so much better the next day. Yep. Yeah. I don't like, that's a good hack. Um, so our last point, and this does tie into the, the last point that Tanner made, um, last don't for recovery is don't neglect your rest days. So yes, you do want to take a rest day. Um, it's not optimal to have seven days a week of training intensely. You know what I mean? Um, now that ties into the last points as well, because you're not, you're not doing nothing, you know, you go for a walk, you can ride your bike, um, do some yard work, whatever. Um, but it is important to have these structured days off because this is when your muscles actually build. We haven't talked about that much. Um, when you train, you're breaking your muscles down. When you're actually building the muscles, when you recover. So if you don't give your body a chance and your joints a chance to take it easy and kind of um, have a day where they can spend you know, their energy focusing on the recovery piece of it, building muscle, repairing the tears that you made. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to maximize your muscle growth. Now this is different if you're on the sauce, but um, for natural lifters, this is, this is something that you're going to want to incorporate. Um, don't work out seven days a week. Don't be super intense about it. Um, another good idea on a rest day is do some mobility work because it's not going to take away from anything. You know, um, I did that on Monday. I had a rest day on Monday because um, I I squat heavy on Saturday and I bench heavy on Sunday. So Monday is usually a rest day for me. Um, I went to the gym and I did some mobility stuff. I worked on my shoulders. I worked on my lower body mobility. I walked on the treadmill for a little bit and I got out of there. Um, so that doesn't mean you can't go to the gym. It doesn't mean you can't. Um, doesn't mean sit around all day, but be deliberate with what you're doing and please give yourself some time to recover as well. Yeah. Like I think what words brought up that point where it doesn't mean you don't go to the gym, but you can just have a different approach. Like let this, this could be a day where you roll out on your foam roller, take a lacrosse ball, do some stretching, get some blood flow still going. Uh, I know mind pump, they talk about like these trigger sessions. So do like a lot of lightweight, high reps, that kind of stuff, just to get the blood flowing, but you're not trying to get, like PR, you're just trying to get this blood flowing through your body and then you get in and you get out. Like these, these days can be just as beneficial as your days where you go hit a PR, because if you feel like shit, you're going to lift like shit. Like that's just plain and simple. Um, so keep that in mind. Next time you want to push your day to like squat 
heavy four times in a week because your body will will not thank you for that but your body will thank you for some mobility work so and some recovery yeah. work the, the main off. thing the main thing guys is just to take the intensity down yeah. so like if you want to go to the gym that's fine but like tanner said it's more about getting a pump more about getting the blood moving than it is actually you know setting prs like you said so with that that's our last point here today so that's how to maximize muscle growth guys if you uh if you like this give us a like give us a share tell your friends about us it's our first episode so we're still learning we're still going to grind through this um we're going to try to bring us you know we're going to try to bring you guys episodes uh, once a month every other you know every two weeks something like that is that what we kind of discussed yeah, whatever we can kind of fit in um, with our crazy, hectic schedules. But it's something fun that we enjoy doing. So it's definitely going to be something that's high on our priority list. So, yep. And I think in a future episode in the next few weeks, we'll talk about more about like our um, our prep for the meet that we're doing in a few weeks. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. We'll talk about different things that we're doing with our training and stuff like that. So, all right, guys, with that, have a good rest of your day and keep lifting. We'll see you.